Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is British Murders, a very special episode today. As you can see, we're actually filming this episode for the first time. When I say we, that's because I have a guest who is waving at you. Lorraine, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lorraine. Good, good introduction. I sort of killed it by saying your name. <laughs> Lorraine, you host Once Upon a Nightmare. I do it's, indeed. Uh, what would you call it? It's true crime slash horror. Yeah, true crime and horror movies, yeah. You're doing more horror movies these days, though. You, you, you're true crime kind of, slacking a little bit. Well, it's not actually, because I just put out two true crime episodes in a row, I think. Oh. Did I? Wow. I can't remember. Did um, you? <laughs> Clearly, I'm not listening off. to it. <laughs> of course you're bloody not. You're just, you get everyone to listen to yours and don't listen back. Um, wow, that's deep. <laughs> I know. Um, no, I do whatever the mood takes me. But I sometimes, as you know, with true crime, you're just like, I just can't face it today, mate. And then yeah. I do a horror film, but I love horror yeah. as well. Yeah. You know? So I remember you asked me what my favorite type of horror was. I was on Lorraine's show for a bit of context and we discussed Hellraiser mm. from what, 1987, I think it was. And you, this is the first time I've ever been a guest on a show. And within a minute, I was told to fuck off by the host. <laughs> did I? You did, yeah. <laughs> That's because I'm comfortable <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. That means so you, I like you. <laughs> so you're into the more psychological stuff, right? I remember you saying I am. that. Yeah. So what's what's your kind of favorite? Do you have a go-to in the genre that you think, oh, I'll just put that on? Yeah, my favorite film of all time, which I watch many times every year, is Science of the Lambs. Okay. Yeah. I so absolutely love that film. Science of the Lambs. Do you think that's the best in the Hannibal series? Yes. It's yeah. the best film that exists. It's like my favorite film of all time. The best film that exists. It's my favorite film of all time. Across all genres. And it has been for years and years and years. Since the night, since it came out, it has been. So I don't think you can say a film is the best ever. I think you can say it's the best ever in a genre. No, no. It's my favorite film of all time. And yeah, I but, can say that because it's my choice. But you can't compare Silence of the Lambs to like Anchorman. No, and I say know. that one's better than the other. But Anchorman's the, a good film, but I wouldn't go, oh my God, this film's like the most amazing film out there. Like, whereas with Science of the Lambs, I'm like, this is the most amazing film. Okay. Why? Because it's kind of got everything I want in it, but it's not like, um, like you don't have any gore or any of that kind of crap in it, which I am not a big fan of. I don't mind it in some films, but in general, I'm not a fan of it. But just like the whole story and the whole serial killer aspect of it and the whole FBI and her hunting him down and the acting and on the, obviously Jonathan Demi, the way he directs that whole, you know, where you can kind of feel creeped out by how they're looking into the camera. I just, I just love it. Everything about it. Okay. I don't think I have a favorite film. I do. I've got three. What's the other two? Aliens and The Shining. Okay. Yeah. The Shining. That's probably in my top uh, 10. Top 10, I'd say. See, Aliens, I've, I've seen Alien. I've got the box set. I've just not seen them all, but I've heard that Aliens is oh far God. better than the original, apparently. Yeah, definitely, 100%. What makes it better? Because the first one's quite a slow build. Does this one get straight into it? There's just, I feel like there's more going on. Like, I I haven't seen the original probably since the 90s, um, but I didn't go back to watch it again and again, whereas with Aliens, like Science of the Lambs, or Dirty Harry, or The Shine, or stuff like that. I'm just like, all the time. It has to be on yeah. a lot. Okay. You know? Definitely The Shining is up there, as far as 
horror film scores. I think Jack Nicholson were great in that. Mm. I love that. You know, I love the Saw franchise. You know, I love that. Well, I recently did. Like, I I don't. I haven't seen them all. Um, but I recently did an episode with the Horror Project. Um, we did Saw, and that was really quite fun to go back and watch that. But I thought the first one was really good. Yeah, the first one is good. Shout out Horror Project, great podcast. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I like the gore. But then again, as I'm getting older, I think we discussed this on the Hellraiser. Mm. I'm becoming a little bit, not adverse to it, but sometimes I kind of, I'm liking psychological thrillers now. Like there's a really good film with um, David Hyde Pierce, you know, from Frasier, Frasier's mm-hmm. brother. He's in a film called The Perfect Host. Yeah. And basically, a bit of a spoiler alert, <laughs> but this guy is an escaped convict and he goes around to his house to escape the police in, I think it's in LA, in Hollywood maybe. Yeah. And he basically goes in this guy's house and David Hyde Pierce, he's like, oh, I'm having all these friends over for a dinner party. Mm. And in David Hyde Pierce's head, all his friends come around and he's talking to them, but all the ex-con can see is him talking to no one. Oh, okay. So he's in my, so you see two sides of the story. It's really good. The Invisible Guest is good as well. That's okay. like a, a murder mystery kind of thing, which is really good. So I'm really into that now. But yeah, what we're talking about today is far from well. Would you call this psychological actually? Because I think it. <laughs> There are kind aspects of, of it in there. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching it this time, I was kind of like, there were times where I felt a bit like sad and mm. I could see it was a bit of a head fuck at times. Sorry. I realized to swear in your podcast. You can swear, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did feel it was a bit, it wasn't just a slasher for me, even mm. though there's a lot of that in it. And, but there wasn't, it wasn't just your, yeah. I felt things. Yeah, I felt things in places I forgot existed. <laughs> We're talking about Halloween. Now, not the original from 1978. This is the, they called it a recalibration. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's a recalibration. So it's from 2018. What they did was because this is the 11th film in the Halloween franchise. Mm. What they said was, Everything after Halloween from 1978 can be completely disregarded as far as the plot of this film goes. So this mm. follows on 40 years after the original Halloween. Michael Myers got caught. He got sent to an insane asylum. 40 years passed. Then this film got released. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at with this. Because the original Halloween was less of a graphic gory slasher film and more of a psychological it was more what you didn't see wasn't it with the first Mm. one i think this one was quite the opposite i thought this was quite brutal as far as the kills and stuff didn't you think i didn't think they were too bad which is not like me because in the original oh no compared to the original yeah yeah, it's definitely more um you don't really see him do anything in the first film yeah no but that's one thing about these Halloween films, I don't find them Have like, I mean, them obviously all, if, sorry. Have you seen them all? I've seen. I yeah. Haven't. I think, yeah, I have. No, actually I went through a phase there about a year ago and I was like, I really want to watch the older Halloween films. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the Rob Zombie ones. Mm-hmm. I've seen H2O. Um, but like, I feel like obviously Rob Zombie ones are more graphic, which is his yeah. kind of way. But yeah, when I watched the other ones, um, the ones I remember the most are obviously the first one, 
and the second one a bit and this one I don't find them overly gory scary yeah you're right there do you know what I mean mm, but I mm-hmm. it's just um <laughs> that even like like you said when he's killing them there's not I think it's because it's him there's just not much to it because he's so blank yeah. do you know what I mean there's nothing going on like I, I almost feel like it's it's really weird but I always feel like with him that he's he's just kind of like a murderer but not in like a the serial killers we kind of read about he's not like the Freddy Kruegers or the mm. you know and all that kind of stuff. he's kind of just oh I'm going to stab you now stab 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 and off he goes like there's there's no nothing be, there's no passion behind his stabbing it's like this is what I do I stab yeah. people do you know I what think, I mean I think he's one of the more realistic slasher killers because like Jason his story is just ludicrous because he's he's dead, then he's not dead. He can't die. He wears a mask. He's got a mangled face. Freddy Krueger's in your dreams, then he's not in your dreams. Pinhead was never a serial killer. This guy is just a maniac from birth. Like, he kills his sister when mm. he's six. Yeah. For no reason, really. He just kills her, brutally murders her for no reason. Then he just sits on the step with a knife in his hand. Six years old. Murdered yeah, because there's nothing, there's nothing there. Yeah. So this is what I mean. It, his brutality in, in this particular film as well, to say he's like 60-odd, he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he, yeah, but- you, know, you know, in films where they're like, and it was one of the things I read in that they didn't want him to be one of these killers that waste time by talking or setting up the scene with dialogue. Is literally, there's a person in front of me, I'm going to kill you, right, you're dead. No, but that's that's what I kind of like about him because, like uh, you mentioned, Kruger there, and I'm like a massive Kruger fan. Mm-hmm. Freddy's like my number one like horror icon out of this type of film. Yeah, um, and he's very entertaining, and he's got a bloody answer for everything, and he's got a talk, and he's wind, he almost winds people up. Like, do you know what I mean? And he taunts them. Where, like you said, with him, it's literally like, like especially the the bit that kind of the most pointless it's I mean all of them are pointless in a sense but the most pointless one to me is when he's like walking down the road when everybody is in their masks and stuff and then he just looks at a door walks in the door walks around and stabs a woman through the neck just like oh I'll go in here I will stab her in the neck and then I will leave you know like he's dropping off you know a a spare carton of milk or something like it's just there's that much passion to it yeah you know what I mean it's just and that's, I suppose that's a good point, actually. What you said is like, he didn't want the whole like song and dance about killing someone. It was just like, you are there, now you die. Stab. Yeah. There's no <laughs> emotional connection with no. it. No. It's not like, but, oh, that person, like, again, Jason hates people that camp at Crystal Lake because that's, mm. he died because of negligence from campers there. Mm. I get that. Freddy Krueger, the parents of the kids killed him. So he wants revenge on the kids. There's a motive there. It's emotional. Hmm. This guy, he's just a nutter. He's just a psychopath. There's no rhyme or reason. And I think in some of the sequels, they tried to make it a rhyme or reason. They said that Laurie was his, hmm. was his sister, which they revoked in this. But if you disregard all the other sequels and just look at Halloween one or the original, and then this, he's just a cold-blooded murderer for no reason. Well, it's like, you know, um, at the very beginning when those podcasters go in to uh see him and they bring mm. the mask yeah 
like that was that whole setup was like really weird like the way they got in so easily and all this I just thought it was all bizarre and like the tiles on the floor and everything it just really freaked me out such a big massive space for all these people to be standing in I know they were kind of in there like squares so to speak but even then when he put when they pulled out the mask which they shouldn't have been allowed to do but when they pulled out the mask everyone was losing their shit and he just stands there but Mm -hmm. he just stands there and you get like like in this film i feel like we do see quite a lot of him compared to other ones his actual face Mm -hmm. um i felt like you actually got i i was listening to another podcast i think it felt more real felt more real in this well i felt i know you shouldn't feel like this about someone like this okay i am very much aware of what i'm about to say sounds ridiculous but it's just something i did it just was so sad because there is this little old man well not little, little old but this man old... he's about six foot six he's built like no, a brick what, what, house. no but what i mean is he's this old man and even his mask is aged do you know <laughs> what i mean his mask needs a fucking face care routine like do you know what i mean and He's How just do you like, feel sorry for Michael Myers? Please, I go. Don't, no, no, it's not that I feel sorry for him in the sense that I feel sorry for a, a serial killer, but he just looks so sad and it's such a pointless life. Like, it's not like he grew up and was treated badly, so he went and did all these things. He did it from six. Like, it was the most waste of a life mm. that ever existed. And then because you see him all old and, you know, grey and stuff like that, and he's just, and there's nothing there. I just felt a bit sad. <laughs> what a waste of a life, eh? <laughs> it is. Like, what was the point of his life? He six years old, he's like looked at by every shrink going. And then he gets out. And, you know, he wants to do what he likes. Stab, stab, stab. Just murder people, yeah. So if we come back to the production of this film, so it runs an hour 46, so just just under two hours and Blumhouse, is it Blumhouse or Bloomhouse? I never get, I said Blumhouse. I think it's Blum. We'll say Blum. Like Plum. Yeah, Plum. Blum. Blumhouse. Jason Blumhouse. Blum's uh, company. So he's directed, lo- well, they've produced loads of horror films, Paranormal Activity, mm. Insidious, The Purge, Get Out, Us, Invisible Man, Sinister, co-financed with Miramax and distributed by Universal. I think they've got a deal with Universal, Blumhouse. Okay. They're distributing a lot of their films because they're remaking, aren't they? A lot of these old horror films, like Invisible Man's come out, Child's mm. Play came out, and they've already redone Friday Thirteenth and um, that run Elm Street about ten years ago. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll disagree on them, so it's probably good that we do it. I thought they were all right. Did you like the new Nightmare on Elm Street? I thought it was okay. Yeah. I quite like, um, I forget the dude's name, Haley. Is it Haley something? Him from Watchmen. David Joel Haley or something. I forget his name. I quite like the fact that, because in the original, Wes Craven, as far as I'm aware, Wes Craven's original idea for Freddy was that it was a child rapist and a molester. Yeah, but that was too, too that was much. Too, that was too dark. I mean, this is the guy at the last house on the left with arguably <laughs> the worst the worst rape scene in the history of cinema. And I know, I won't watch it because of that. <laughs> I've seen it once. Awful. And... That was the original thing. So they kind of went back to that in this. That mm. He was a bit of a molester as opposed to just, a, I said, just a child murderer. But <laughs> bit of a molester. There's, 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 just a bit of a molester. There's levels to the, the dark side, do you know what I mean? So I kind of liked that they went back to that. And I think that because the character was so slight and a bit dweeby, that's how I kind of picture that kind of person. Kind of fit for me. I, I've not seen it for a while. I've only seen it once, so it can't have been that good. No, it's not. 
I did like the Friday the 13th remake, though. I thought that was all right. I'm not a big Friday the 13th fan. I like the original. See, that was my favorite. I have got them all on DVD. I think I that's them. probably like, I'm not a fan of Charles Play either, but I think some of them I have to watch again. Like, I'd love to sit down and like do a Friday the 13th, you know, but not marathon. a day because there's so bloody many of them. But like, yeah. you know. Like a marathon. Yeah. I yeah. Know what you mean. Yeah, I think we'll see what happens, but sometimes the originals, they're just better, aren't they? Mm, they're just far definitely. better. So this was directed by David Gordon Green. The only film I know that he's done before is Pineapple Express. This is his first foray into the horror genre. So it's mm. quite, a bit, quite a big ask for your first time. Well, I thought it was strange, like, because obviously Danny McBride is doing it mm-hmm. as well, but them two, like, work together on that TV show as well that um, he does, mm. The Righteous Gem. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, you've got Pineapple Express, like you said, but they are as well writing, you know, the other two um, Halloween films, Halloween Kill and Halloween Ends. But when I think of Danny McBride, all I think of is that scene in, have you seen Tropic Thunder? I've seen it a long time ago. Which, oh, which scene? Such a good film. But when he blows up everything and he's like, like this, and he's mm. just like such a funny character. And then I heard he wrote this and I was like, really? Yeah. It just doesn't like it just doesn't match at all. But I, I think he did a good job. I think there's a lot that you can um borrow from comedy in horrors. Mm. Like Scream did that perfectly. Oh god, yeah. How you can you can sort of satirize yourself, but I think it worked out really well. The good thing was it's executive produced by John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. But John Carpenter, who directed the original, of course, um said it was more like more of like um what was the term he used? Like, uh, you know, when you get an honorary reward, um, mm. award at like a university, that kind of thing. He was kind of like there as um, if you need any tips, he was just overwatching the whole thing. Because this is like they his say in, um, I watched 30 Rock. I think it's 30 Rock. Yeah, 30 Rock. Um, and Alec Baldwin's in that. And he's always down as executive producer. And he's just like, we're just giving an executive producer credit because they don't yeah. do anything, but it makes yeah. them feel important type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It won a couple of awards. It won, well, nothing major. It won a Saturn Award for Best Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis, the Fright Meter Award for the Best Score. The score in this is fucking brilliant, by the way. Mm. John Carpenter, and I think his son as well. Some yeah. Of his, some of his family yeah. did it. And it also won a Rondo Statuette for Best CD. So, yeah, I guess that relates to the soundtrack. I don't know. Mm. And it was a big, big um, opening weekend. I apparently I saw on the interwebs that it was the third um, highest grossing film horror film mm. um, next to it and it chapter two. Um, it came in third for opening weekend, so it did really, really well with seventy six point two million. That's chapter good, two think. was ninety one, and the first it was one hundred twenty three. So yeah, well, it did Hi- quite well. Highly anticipated, I think. Having um, Jamie Lee Curtis in again, I know she's been in a few of them. Oh, she's brilliant. I think having her in just sells it for most people. But the fact that, like Nick Castle, the uh, mm. the original Michael Myers, or The Shape, as he's known by, he was there in a few, he did like a, a scene in a window, it said he was doing the breathing sounds, but The Shape was actually played by James Jude Courtney. But the fact that Nick Castle, the original, was in there and that you dis- a lot of people didn't like the sequels, especially the third one, because it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. People often yeah. slate number three. The fact that you could disregard everything. So if you haven't seen them all, you know, when you bring out a reboot and it's like, mm. you, have to, you have to have seen them all to get what's going on. 
Yeah. This wasn't that. This was like, most people have seen Halloween. Let's carry on from that. So I think it had a good... Because Jason, not Jason, sorry, Tony Moran, his name was, he um, he had some... I thought he was the original because he, you know, the the unmasked kind of guy mm. in this, you know, when you see him without the mask, that's apparently Tolly Moran, who was Micra Myers at the age of 23. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's yeah. what you got to remember. There's, there's people who've there's played so him at different, different ages yeah. as well. So he yeah. was in the original. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I know. I get very confused with who does his, because it seems to be, like you said, there's quite a few of them. But yeah. I Googled Tony Moran, um, Tony Morn or Moran, whatever you want to say. It. And um, well, in Ireland, a lot of people say Morn, but then some say Moran as well. Um, and it very much looks like him, like the unmasked one, because I, yeah. I felt like you did see quite a lot of him. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Nick Castle, that's a name I do, do definitely remember. Yeah. And you then know? we've got, so Jamie Lee Curtis plays Laurie Strode, who was the original babysitter that survived from the first film. She's I now, love how she still has the same hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, she was going to come into it with short hair because she normally oh. sports short hair, yeah. doesn't she? Mm. But um, she must have grown it out for this, I guess, just to stay consistent. Her daughter, played by Judy Greer, who's been in various films. Couldn't, the only one I could think of was Jurassic World. Mm. I, don't, I don't really follow her career, to be honest. Andy Matichak, who played Alison, the granddaughter. And then who else have we got? Haluk Bilginer, probably saying that wrong. He's the new Loomis, so he's Dr. <gasps> Dr. Sartain. Yeah. We'll get on to him. We'll get on yeah, to him. Yeah, definitely. Then Will Patton. Will Patton as Officer Hawkins. I was so mm. confused because because they were bringing so many original cast members back and he said he mm. was there on the night. I was like, I, mm. don't rem- I don't remember this cop, but he's just an invented character. Oh, apparently. Okay. He's, he wasn't actually in the original film because if you remember at the orig- end of the original, he disappears after he falls off the balcony. Mm. So he doesn't get arrested in the first film but we're disregarding the second film in this. So Officer yeah. Hawkins is the one that arrested him after it disappeared from the balcony, is what we're saying. Okay. So even though it wasn't in the first film, and then we've got Toby Huss as Ray, who is the husband. I thought, he's just comic relief. Oh, God, he's I know. Comic relief. Bit awkward, wasn't it? Annoying. A bit weird. So let's start. What we'll do is I like to run through a brief sort of breakdown of the timeline. Okay. Just, just sort of discuss it that way. So we have the opening credits. Did you notice about the opening credits? What about the pumpkin? Yeah. Yeah. So in the original film, it starts off really small mm. and slowly gets bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger until it takes over the screen. This was the same, except it was just a smashed pumpkin or that had yes. yeah. fermented or whatever. And then it just sort of slowly got back to life. Yeah. I thought that was quite cool mm. that, it, that it mirrored the opening from the original. So that, that was pretty cool. And like you said, them two journalists. <gasps> would I mean, how have they got Michael Myers's mask? That's what that's what I was thinking. It was just all so over the top. And I just don't think like you know, if he's in there for that, you know, what are the other people in there for? And the way the fact mm. that they're not even allowed to stand next to each other and all this kind of stuff. And then they just get in, but then then they go and see um, Laurie and they're just basically like fans. Yeah. Like they're, they're so intrusive. Like it's like. They're a bit rude you know, with her. Didn't you think they were like, oh, so I read that they said that you're an unfit mother. I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> you just yeah. come to my house and you're calling me that. 
Exactly. But even the way that he was holding the mask up and he's like, Michael, look at that bloody mask. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, like it's a supernatural thing. But the doctor, I think the doctor doesn't say anything because as we see through, I think the doctor is so keen for him to say something Mm. that he just will let anything happen to get a reaction. Yeah. I think it kind of killed their sort of aura, the, the interviewers, the English Mm. couple when he was like, oh, we're, we're podcasters or whatever. And I was like, mate, I'm a podcaster. Like, I, I wouldn't go see a serial killer like that for a podcast. It's mental. Like, that is mental. I would. Michael Myers, though. Come on, mate. Oh, no, no, not him. I go and interview a serial killer, but I wouldn't yeah, do it I, like that. No, but I'm Talk talking, to me. <laughs> yeah, this, I'm talking about how they went about it. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> like if someone said you've got a chance to interview so-and-so, I'd be like, right, I want some safety precautions first. I would not have went in there. But let's talk about this. What, oh, he's chained to a brick, is he? Brilliant. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go up to him, shall I? I don't think so. No. First, no, first of all, the, the yellow line around them was a square. <laughs> Why is it not a circle? Do you know what I mean? Because if you think about how a chain works around a round yeah. a thing, it's a circle, isn't it? That's the whole point mm-hmm. of a compass. Is, how, is it a, not a compass? What's the, the thing that circle. makes it? It's called a compass, isn't it, that you draw a circle yeah. with? Yeah. Oh, what's oh, it called? You know the thing with the spike that you put a pencil yeah. in. What's that called? That's a compass, isn't it? No, isn't it? Is it? No. Completely off topic, but what the hell oh, is, is that it, called? Is it a compass? Oh, is it called a compass? Oh, it is. It is brilliant. Know yeah. it? See, genius. You didn't know it. You guessed, and you, <laughs> then you doubted yourself. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it should be a circle. Is my point. Yeah, Would you have went that... in if it was a circle? Oh, absolutely. I'd have been straight in, yeah. I'd have stepped over the line if it were a circle. I'd have tapped him on the shoulder. I said, excuse me, Mike. Any chance of a word, son? Have you gone, yeah, mate? What, what kind of British murders? Yeah, of course. What was... <laughs> Stuart Blues. <laughs> what were we saying? Yeah. I like the fact that the, the place is called Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Reminds me of Metallica. Oh, We've got a song called Welcome Home Sanitarium. Yeah, I know that one. Side notes, because I'm wearing Metallica, you see. Yeah, I can see. There we go. So, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was very, very, very annoying when all the other prisoners, I know they're all clinically insane, mm. but it's, I don't like the supernatural aspect of you can feel it, can't you, Michael, and he's holding the mask up. Michael, to me, he's, think, he's thinking, what the fuck are you on about? what but but as you see in the end he ends up getting the mask as he always does he doesn't need the mask no but that's his thing isn't it he's just like yeah i i do want my mask back but he doesn't feel it he just wants it like like his you know like a child has a little comfort blanket 60 year old man well they can have comfort blankets too good god maybe maybe he should have spoken there not not speak for 40 years he should have spoke to a psychiatrist i think so well, they tried everything, didn't they? But nothing worked. Why don't they go, Michael, why are you obsessed with a ma- mask? You're 60 years old, fella. I just, I just like it. <laughs> oh, I, knew, I knew I'd get you to speak. <laughs> the, surely in 40 years, they would have whipped the mask out. Michael says, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry? Ah, got you, Michael. Yeah, surely over 40 years, someone would have had the mask and thought, right, we'll just try that. How's how's yeah, but, a true crime podcaster from England got all of his mask? I just, I, I just can't get me around that. I can tell. 
Yeah, but it's weird. What's what's in the bag in customs? Anything what's to declare? Yeah, Michael Myers's uh, mask. That's what I've got to declare. Oh, come on through, mate. You sound normal. It's just ridiculous. yeah. No, they they're definitely two characters that you don't care about at all, especially him. See, that's very typical with slasher films: is that they mm. make you not feel sorry for the people that get murdered because the antihero or the antagonist is often mm. the the one that you have the most empathy towards, which is just sick. Mm. But anyone. Like we'll come on to it. Allison's boyfriend or whatever gets yeah. off with someone else at a party. Mm. It's just like there's no need apart from to think that that guy is just a dickhead. It's the same yeah, with the, nothing happens to him. No, but it comes on to the guy who's her friend. Yeah. Who then takes her to a secluded area and then tries to kiss her. So then you don't like him, and then the next minute he gets murdered. <laughs> it's like the old stereotypes of if you're a virgin mm. and you're a nice yeah. guy and all this, you'll survive. Yeah, and you knew that they were going to be killed, those two people, because they were pointless. They were just annoying characters to kind of like, a way of kind of like introducing him, so to speak, like to bring Michael back and then to go and speak to Laurie. Like, do you know what I mean? Who, let's face it, must have watched quite a few bits of Terminator because her whole setup was so Sarah Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was, to be fair. But so it comes on to the bit then where for some reason... The, pr- the prison officers thought it'd be a good idea not only to move Michael with other prisoners and not on his own, which is ridiculous, but mm-hmm. also very close to Halloween, which I've not been funny. It's a bit of a trigger month for Michael. <laughs> I mean, he was born around there, committed all the murders around there, killed his sister around there. Maybe we'll move him at Christmas. You know? Then we just call it Christmas. <laughs> we'll just call it Christmas. Yeah. Or maybe we just, there won't be a film because he won't murder anyone. But that was stupid. But I did like how all the patients were roaming through the, the road. That was weird. But that was like in the first film. That happens in the first film. Yeah, but when why he... did the dad get out of the van? Well, it's a horror film, isn't it? But I know, the... but you can see the way they're walking about. They're not walking around like, <laughs> just, don't just... help us, help us. They're like, oh, I'm just going to see if, just gonna see if these are all right. What, the, the people in white coats scratching themselves? Yeah, probably lock the door with your son in there. But yeah, in the first Halloween, they drive into the asylum, don't they? And all the patients are roaming the grounds. Mm. So it was kind of in homage to that, which I quite liked. But then the kid just, you know, and they run, that guy on the ground, run. Yeah, they took it too far with the kid. Oh yeah, when he killed the kid. Yeah. I don't think he's killed, apart from his sister, I don't think he's killed a kid before. Yeah, because I was surprised in this when he didn't kill the baby. Yeah. Did, but to me, that shows why didn't he kill the baby? Because he passed it. Mm, yeah. I know we don't see the baby, but you hear it and he but, looks but, in the crib. But didn't, but didn't the baby... St- yeah, but I don't think the baby was in the crib. Didn't the baby stop crying suddenly? I thought he killed the baby. No, I didn't think... Well, he didn't lift a knife. Unless it was... Mm. The baby was upstairs and it was on a monitor or something. But, you know, if it was the baby, why didn't he kill the baby? Mm, interesting fact. Um, the baby was voiced by Jamie Lee Curtis. Huh. Interesting. Wow. It's quite impressive. But yeah, the whole thing with it. And then the doctor's alive. So, you know, something's amiss mm. with the doctor because why would he leave the doctor there? Surely that's the one person he would want to kill. Yeah. The doctor, I think, caused the accident. Yeah. The other thing as well, which is, is consistently a bugbearer of mine with these films and with the first film is that it's been 40 years and this 
this guy still knows how to drive. He's not lost his will to drive, you know. If it's an automatic, we'll let him off. But the fact that he sits in the car and waits for the kid to get back, then kills the kid. He's already in the car. Drive away, mate. Yeah, but, but it's a horror film, isn't it? And he's a cold-blooded maniac as well, which doesn't help. <laughs> but then he goes to the um, gas station and then all shit hits the fan there, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like that's when he really kind of finds his way and gets really back into the flow of it again. Yeah, but he just walks, yeah. casually walks across the forecourt, yeah. starts beating someone up, um, then he kills someone else, then he, he kills her in the um, bathroom, and then he strangles the other guy. Oh, oh no, he bashes his head against the toilet, doesn't he? Against the door. Well, maybe with him, he doesn't like attract really any attention, despite the fact that that woman was like, you know, she was giving your man the eye. She was kind of, you know, the woman in the van. Mm. She was like going, looking at that guy and kind of giving him an eye and he was just like waving, but she was trying, as if like she was trying to tell him something. Yeah. But with him, because of how he just gets out of the car and walks, he doesn't draw attention to himself. That's the thing. <laughs> he doesn't make a big song and dance about anything. So that's why nobody notices him because he just walks in and it was a garage. So you could walk yeah. into a garage. It's not uncommon for someone to do that. And he's think, very quick. Yeah. I think it was filmed quite cleverly as well. Is that he was out of focus for a start. The attention wasn't mm. on him and it was just a brief mm. glimpse. So he, he walks across the frame briefly. You see him do a couple of punches in the background. You'd miss it if you weren't looking. Mm. That's just fitting in. It blends into the background for such a big guy. Mm. Dressed all in white and about six foot eight tall. It just blends into the background. But it, I, I said to myself when I was watching it, and when he kills him in the bathroom, like, this guy is just a cold-blooded maniac who just enjoys killing. Like, there's no way he's killed them two journalists because they tried to... He'd, he'd never turned around. He doesn't know what they look like. Do you know what I mean? No, he just, he just killed them. He just went in and... But on that same pretext then, he knew exactly where the mask was. Now, does that mean that the mask calls out to him as the journalist thought well he did kind of do this like kind of look a bit so you don't know maybe yeah, but he, he kind of no my point is he never turned around in the asylum to see what the journalist looked like right yeah but he kind of slightly like if but you he look saw, at he him sort of, he sort of turned his head but yeah only in his peripheral no no way to get an id on the guy hmm. it happens to go to the same garage where they've stopped to get gas. So kills, does he sense it? Yeah, he kills them. In my head, he doesn't know who they are. They're just too random as that he's killed, yeah. right? But his next move is to go to that person's specific car, hmm. go in the boot or the trunk, however you want to say it, and get the mask out. He knows it's there. The only logical, it's not even logical. The only thing that makes sense is that he can sense the mask. Which, but that brings a supernatural element to it, which personally I don't think fits the film. I don't think it necessarily brings a supernatural element to it. I mean, we all sometimes feel things or do things that we kind of can't explain. Like sometimes, yeah. yeah but this of... guy, this guy has no need to break into a car. Like he's not a robber. No, I know. But with regards to the mass, like sometimes, you know, like people have said things like, you know, they've had a bad feeling about a member of their family and they've rang up and someone's died. Like, do you know what I mean? Like hmm. sometimes people like have a sixth sense. An, yeah. An unexplained like attachment to something. And like, 
this is definitely his thing. Mm. So maybe in some strange way, it is, you know, Freddie's got his glove, you know, he's got Mm -hmm. his, you know, Jigsaw's got his little kiddie bike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I know Um, know what you're saying. You know? What did you think about the whole Alison and her friends and the babysitter thing? As far as, because there were plenty of nods to the original film, like the fact that there's babysitters, they invite people around. One of the bodies is found in the bed sheet, like in the mm. original. There's washing on the washing line. That was in the original. Yeah, hung um, up on the wall. Alice, yeah, Al- Alice, yeah, hung up on the wall with the knife. And then when Alison's in the school, she looks out the window and sees Laurie, whereas in the first film, mm. Laurie looked out and saw Michael there. So there's a lot of nods there. But did you think... <sighs> I, I guess you can't set the whole film around Laura. So you need a new sort of younger actress in there. No, I get that. Like with the babysitter thing, I'll be honest with you. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm. And so I kind of just watched it because obviously it was part of the film, but it, it didn't like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, Oh my God, this is great. I just thought, okay, this is being done because you know, he has to kill someone, basically. There was nothing yeah. there for me. Um, with regards to Alison, I kind of most of the way through it didn't really think much of her until until the you know, until she ends up in the car with mm. them. Then mm. she kind of like, you know, really she becomes an interesting character then. Up until then, she's just some teenager who's got a prick of a boyfriend, you know, like who kisses a girl literally in front of her and then says, she was talking in my ear. It looks like. <laughs> no, I have a huge. I don't understand people who you literally see doing something, and they know that you've seen them do this, but yet they deny it. I can't yeah. stand people like that. It drives me insane. And then he has the audacity to throw her phone away. Do you know what I mean? Into that big cheese bowl. Yeah. Because he's been caught out. Like, if you're gonna do something like that, just fucking own up to it. It's it's kind of like he needed to grow up. Like it was a bit ridiculous um, mm. with the fact that he she had seen him. So th- up until then, they were just kind of like a, you know, teenagers that were a bit annoying. And then yeah. when she gets taken, then it kind of like, you know, after, sorry, the friend is murdered. Then yeah. she kind of, although I was like, would you shut the hell up? Like she's running around going, help me, help me. I'd never understand that. That was ridiculous. Shit. She lives down the street. Why, yeah. is she knock, why is she knocking door to door? She lives in a few blocks away. She was going home. So why is she knocking door to door when there's a maniac who's just killed your mate? Maybe it's because a maniac just killed her mate. <laughs> so that'd make you stop running. That'd make me run faster. Yeah, but you'd probably knock on a door for help. I absolutely would not. Yeah, but you've never been in that situation, Stuart. You really don't know. Well, that's true. That is true. <laughs> you've, got, you've got me there. I just think... If I live around corner, mate, I'd be I'd be sprinting home. I'd be quicker than Bolt. I'd be there in a hot minute because I know I've got the key to my own door. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, doors I mean, mean nothing to Michael Myers. Locked doors, unless no, it's they locked. don't. He just he can get in anywhere. Yeah, he should become a bank robber because he'd be really good at it. Because he's he just gets in and it's very stealthy for a big guy. He's very <laughs> stealthy. Like he's, we'll get onto that in a minute when they get to the house. But yeah, the whole 
kids thing. It's about Laurie and Michael in it. The rest of it with the babysitters and that. Apart from being a nod to the original, a lot of it I didn't really see the point. Mm. I didn't feel for the characters. They were just there. And then the fact that anyone can, with a slight bit of pace, just a, a gentle jog, will help you evade Michael Myers. He doesn't run. He walks everywhere. <laughs> Do you know what I've noticed about you? It's Petty. the little things that Petty. really, yeah. But my point is millions get spent on this film. Millions, right? You could get the little things right. That's why I like Friday the 13th, the remake, because in that contrary, con- contrary, whatever. Contrary. Contrary to the original Friday the 13th, when Jason didn't run either. In the Friday the 13th, 2009, he sprinted everywhere, which is realistic. Is it Mrs. Vorey's the killer in the original? Yeah, I meant the original series, not the original film. Okay, okay. But yeah, he walked everywhere. Yeah, but <laughs> that's it. Like we were even just talking about it. Like that's his kind of thing because there's nothing there. Like there's no, that's one thing I do like about him. There's no sense of urgency to anything he does. Even when, like if you watch horror films when someone's stabbing someone, they're stab, stab, stab. Like it's very fast, very quick. Mm. But with him, it's called of a mm, 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 mm. Mm. like there, there's nothing, nothing causes him to feel like he needs to pick up the pace because he does a perfectly good job with what he's doing. You know, mm. like if you can lose weight by walking, you're not going to start running, are you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You'd probably progress to running eventually. I would have thought. Mm, I don't know, but I think you know, with him, I think it. I, like, could you imagine Michael Myers sprinting down the road? It would look ridiculous. <laughs> it would at his age. No, but it would have looked ridiculous at any age because the whole mm. point of him is the fact that he... You can run, but... You, there's nothing hide, there. Basically. Yeah, you can't get away from him, which is yeah. which is true of people who kill. Like, do you know what I mean? You, yeah. They get people. It doesn't matter how they do it. They get people in every form. They do, but a lot of them use their, their words persuading people um brainwashing people this guy doesn't speak he, do, he doesn't do anything but he just walks and he just walks in and kills this i think this is a problem with i think is it quite common in america to keep your doors unlocked in a lot of these like i think people used to do it in a lot of small town like when i grew up in ireland i knew people that didn't lock their doors we always did mm. um but i knew i knew people that didn't but i think with him he also like if you look into some like serial killers you know like you think about if you try and plead with them like can you imagine how many victims right have pleaded don't kill me don't kill me and they just one thing they always like a lot of them say is they just looked at me they're blank there was nothing there there was dead Mm. behind the eyes and he basically is that but with his movement as well you know so it's it's actually kind of like his body is almost like what people describe, how he moves himself and everything is what people describe when, you know, that have survived maybe being attacked by a serial killer. They're like, there was nothing there. Yeah. And that's the thing with him. There's nothing there. But if you were Laurie and mm-hmm. all your mates got brutally murdered and the guy that did it got sent to a penitentiary or a sanitarium in the same town, mm. Would you not consider moving? 
again, Stuart, <laughs> stop thinking about the small little things and just enjoy Listen, what's happening. This is, this, this is a deep dissection and a critique. We're playing devil's advocate here. I'm the devil. Yeah, but there's, okay, there's, there's a point where you could say, why should I? Why should I? Or there could be like, he's that bad. Because there's a mass out. murderer who's yeah. going to break yeah. out and killing but if everyone. But he, if he's that bad, I want to stop him. I've done all this to protect. My daughter lives here. I've done all this to protect it, like to protect people. Like you, you know, you're, 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 you're like basically as well, if she moved away, there'd be no film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Obviously. That, that's you know, the, that's the part I'm obviously negating is that I realize the, that there's no film without that. But the, so that that's, that's, that. but that's the things I, it's, it's like when you watch Scream and, you know, Neve Campbell's going, you know, they're always running up the stairs when they should be running out the door. But if they run out the door, they're not going to get murdered. Like, do you know what I mean? They're less likely to get murdered, I should say. Yeah. So no, you need, no film. I get that. Yeah. Exactly. So while, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but you also got to put into your mind that, you know, it's easy when we're sitting watching, you oh, know, yeah. like, why didn't she do this? Why, even in real life, oh, if someone attacked me, I'd bloody go for mm-hmm. them. But then mm-hmm. you hear of people being attacked and they freeze. They don't move. They just, it happens. They let, yeah. they let it happen. Not yeah. because they're letting it happen, but because they physically can't stop it because they've mm-hmm. frozen in fear, you yeah. know? So. I get you. I get you. That's a good uh, defense of the plot holes in this <laughs> film. <laughs> But yeah, so she gets picked up, Alison being the she, the granddaughter. Mm-hmm. She gets picked up by Dr. Sartain, a.k.a. the new Loomis, who, in my opinion, pointlessly turns and kills the cop. I, I, the only reason is to to further the story and, and let Michael get free. Well, yeah, because he wants to kind of see what he can do, because when he puts that mask on... I know, but it's ridiculous, isn't it? What kind of doctor... Of course it's ridiculous. What kind yeah, of doctor? You, what kind of doctor? A, what kind okay. of doctor? <laughs> what kind of doctor says, oh, I really want to learn from this serial killer. You know, it's probably a good idea to let him loose on his favourite evening and just see what he does, just for studying purposes. Because just because you're a doctor does not mean that you're not insane. Harold Shipman, hello. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's levels, isn't there? No, there's not. There there's is. not levels. There no, is there, levels. There dude, is. you've got a true crime podcast. Believe me, there are no levels and it just gets worse. <laughs> but in this film, this is a highly respected doctor who, as far as we're aware, has been looking after Michael for 40 years. Yeah, but th- how many people have murdered and Michael, people? Michael doesn't speak, so it's not like he can be in cahoots with him. I know, but he... <laughs> Is it though? Blink twice if you want me to let you go. Come I know, on. but the thing is, he knows that he will go. He knows that he will go. Like, you know, serial killers and murderers, they're not all just some weirdo down the street. They are <laughs> doctors and lawyers and, you know, married men who no, no, but are this, like yeah, loving fathers. Yeah, but the doctor isn't necessarily a serial killer, is he? But no, he but is, I'm just saying that you he's can He's killed someone. To- He's killed someone to further his science. Yeah, I know, but my point is, it, I just found it weird. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't find it weird at all because it doesn't matter 
So did you expect, mm. did you, were you surprised by that? Because I was quite surprised that he turned around and stuff. Oh, well, I was surprised, but I was surprised as, because I didn't think it would happen. But when, as soon as he did it, I was like, ah, I see. I see what right. he's up to. So do you think that's why he didn't kill him in the bus then? What, why um, the why doctor? Mike, yeah, why I didn't kill him on the bus? Because he was the only one left, survived. You know, no, when he breaks few, out. Yeah, but a few of them are, are survived because they're all wandering around outside. Yeah, the patients are, but he's killed. Oh, you mean the doctor? Yeah, the actual doctor who's turned on the cop. He was left in the bus alive until the kid shot him in the shoulder. I personally think that he just didn't bother because the way he actually does kill him is the best the best it's oh my god oh it's the best and the way he's like what's it he says to him say something it's the best yeah you know and he's like slap with his foot oh it's great it's a good death if i could describe that death i went on a podcast recently called out of the blank and um he asked me how <laughs> he asked me how i would kill someone and i said i would jump on someone's head um that's fucking brutal <laughs> but i don't think i'm as strong as michael but he like he watermeloned his head do you know what i mean he like stood you'd stand on, on someone's head no jump jump that doesn't like, make like it off, better off a ladder or whatever oh you want to get some height in it do you <laughs> Well, I'm not heavy enough. I'm not strong enough, I don't think. With cleats as well. You like football boots. Oh, my God. Why don't you <laughs> stick knives to the bottom of your shoes? No, that's impractical. That'll give me a blister, that. <laughs> I don't need a blister, do you know what I mean? I never want to meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, back to the disturbing film. <laughs> With the disturbing host. <laughs> Disturbing host, yeah. I like that death though. I thought it were great. But yeah, then they end up back at Laurie's house slash like war dungeon, the underground bunker. Mm-hmm. Another pointless thing I noticed is that the clicker that opens the thing, they leave it in the kitchen. They leave it on the kitchen table. And there's a button when you get down there to close the thing, but the, the clicker's up there. Do you not notice that? Come on, let's put a hole in that. That's a plot hole. Yeah, but you can't just say people are stupid. No, but like it, like it, I'm not saying people are stupid. But in the moment, you throw it down, run off, and they might be like, "We'll leave it there for when Alison arrives." Or yeah, she's had is forty it, years to prepare for this shit. I know, but in the heat of the moment, stop picking on the little things. Yeah, come on, <laughs> that's an error. You bloody come on. <laughs> Mate, that's an error. I'm telling you, that's a bad error from Laurie. That luckily Michael's not all there because he felt. I think I'll just move the thing by hand. Well, he's strong enough. Well, clearly, yeah. yeah. Clearly, he's strong enough. But then, what about the whole thing, Judy Greer's character, where she pretended to be panicking, and then he sort of creeped over, and then she was like, "I liked hey, that. I liked messing. that. Bang. I that liked was, that. That was quite cool. I enjoyed. Yeah, that. I liked that. There was a shot in there where Laurie falls off the balcony. And Michael looks over and mm-hmm. sees her, but then this next moment she's disappeared, like the first film, mm-hmm. but in reverse. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then, uh, oh, oh, man, this is where the plot holes came thick and fast. Oh, Jesus. So he walks in and he's a big geezer with big boots on. Boof, boof, boof on the floorboards, right? So Laura's there with the gun, bang, shoots him, right? Mm. And, th- and then it's silent. 
you don't hear another footstep. And she clears the whole house. Somehow this motherfucker has got upstairs, right? And he also must have had Ray on his shoulder because he's put Ray in the wardrobe. All while there's no footsteps being heard. Why? How? <laughs> that mean? Again, that's a fair plot hole for me. I was watching. He's I was watching Michael th- and he's silent. <laughs> no, I was thinking, oh, this guy's massive. Like he's just, they know where he is because of his footsteps. They shot him, knowing where he is, so he's injured. And now he's just floated upstairs with a body on his shoulder. Stuff like that, man. It's it's not good enough for a multi-million dollar film. It's not good enough. Yeah, but that's what films are, aren't it? I think, especially horror films. People no, just appear to, and... In 2021, there has to... I know it was 2018 when it came out, but there has to be some level of realism that, that you can get on board with. Little things like... It's not the 80s anymore. We don't need these plot holes anymore. People know about them now. People pull you up on them now. People like me, yeah. Do you actually enjoy film? Because you no, must sit I, no, there just pissed off all the time. No, no, I don't sit there pissed off. I enjoy film. I studied film. And it's so like, did I. Yeah, but this is this is why for, I'm, it's not a competition. This is, this is why. I don't go. <laughs> no, but this is why I dissect it probably too much because I, I, I notice stuff like that. Okay. I notice stuff like that. It just doesn't bother me. It's a curse. It is a curse. To be so perfect. <laughs> no, far from it. I'm not a director. Any film that's been directed is better than mine because I've never directed one. But as a viewer, you're releasing it to the public, open for debate, and I believe I have my opinion, and that is a plot hole. Along with all the others. <laughs> you should a start a podcast and just call it Plot Holes. <laughs> plot Holes. There's probably already one out there. In fact, I'm sure there is. Movie Mistake. What's that thing called on YouTube? Cinema Sins. Yeah. Cinema Sins. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, so there's that, and then... Lorraine. Oh, God. I'm going. <laughs> Michael what Myers. What are you going to moan about now? <laughs> Michael Myers, the hardest guy ever, right? He gets shot in the neck. Fuck all. Don't care. Shoot me wherever you want, mate. I'll keep walking to you. Laurie, bite, Laurie bites his hand and he pulls away. Like, oh, oh, you bit my finger. You just got shot in the neck, fella. That sound, that. Don't mind that. Don't bite my fingers, though. Sensitive. Maybe they are sensitive. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like... A blood th- bloodthirsty killer who can't be shot to death gets a little nibble on his finger. He had his other finger blown off with a shotgun and he still carried on and she nibbles his other hand and he's like, ah, pulls away from her. What the fuck? <laughs> Again, a fair plot hole for me. It just got ridiculous at this point. I like the trap in the basement. That were cool. Ah, oh, yes. Did- didn't see he that coming. He looks so sad. Yeah. But <laughs> her house, how did, I'm not surprised her kid got taken off her because that house is rigged with gas, like lines and stuff. Yeah. Like that could have blown up any minute. And I don't know how fire and gas necessarily works as an expert, but if she was filling that thing with gas and threw a petrol bomb down there, I don't think it had just casually set fire. Wouldn't it just explode? Or was it because there was there was a hole so there was oxygen i don't know i think i remember watching um what's it called um the one with oh donald sutherland's in it and one of the baldwin brothers is in it i think it's um william baldwin it's a fire one mm. oh god what's it called 
oh, I can't fucking remember, but um, Scott Glenn is in it as well. They um, they basically the he I don't I can't remember what it was, but they explain how because some in one bit of it, this fire kind of comes under the door and then gets sucked back in. Yeah, so called Inferno is back, it? Back backdraft, backdraft, backdraft. Yeah. yeah, and I remember they explained like the whole fire things in that and stuff like that because there yeah. were parts of it looked how how is that not going everywhere? Yeah, it's and they, weird. they I think they talk about I think they do. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But I think it, they do. It's weird how fire acts with oxygen and that, but yeah, I don't know. It probably is right. I, I just thought, wouldn't it blow up? Like, but she threw it down, and then the, the whole house set on fire. But that when that went over. And I know you're not supposed to think like this. Me and you think so differently, don't we? When that went over, I was just, he just stands there like this, staring up like this. Oh, I was like, sad again. I was bless like, him. oh, bless him. That's literally what I went. I went, oh, bless him. Bless him. I know. Color. I know, I know. But I was just watching him and you kind of see like through his mask eyes and he's just like looking up and he's like, okay, well, you can burn me. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't move because there's nothing there. And it's just, that's what's sad that a human being is like so pointless, you know, so pointless. But then the fact that you don't see him die obviously leaves it open. And we know there's two sequels coming Mm. with the same cast, which is good. Yeah. This happens a lot in films. They do three, they do trilogies now. It's very in. Do Do you know one thing I was wondering, and I didn't notice this until this time I watched it, but you know, at the very end, the they're in that truck. So they managed to get out of the house. Don't mm. seem to give a shit. Like, oh, so they saw the husband in the, the cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I forgot about that bit because I was like, why don't they seem to care? But they didn't seem that upset about it. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's just the husband and dad. But when they're in the car, the, the van and the, the back, do you notice how the camera just lingers on her holding that knife? It's just on the knife. And I was like, I wonder are they is she gonna Well Alison you, know, you mean the granddaughter? Yeah, because Alison, yeah, because yeah, you know which one is it? Um is it the fourth one where the little kid has the knife again, the girl? I'm not sure. Not yeah, it's one it. of them where she does. Um I I think Danielle Lloyd plays her or something. I can't remember the names. Um, because it's meant to be I was reading this, it's meant to be uh Laurie Strode's other daughter, but that kind of gets swept under the carpet because obviously they wipe out all those films and stuff like that. But she's just there and there and they're holding a knife and they really focus on it. So I was like, I wonder are they gonna make her kind of something mm. with regards Maybe. to, you know, Maybe. killing. Yeah. When you shouldn't Maybe. kill. Because you know, stuff like that can mess with you. Well, maybe yeah, maybe she's got a or maybe she kills Michael in the end. Maybe, maybe. she's the one that finally kills him. She might have a taste for it now that she's Stabbed well, they say that about a lot of killers, don't they? They a lot of them sometimes do it once and then realize, oh, this is all right. Might mm. as well go again. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Perfectly normal. So let's move on. That's basically the whole film summarized there and broken yeah. down brutally. And <laughs> by you, <laughs> by me, yeah. A little bit. I love how much we disagree. It's brilliant. But that's that's healthy. Though. I disagree that's, with everyone. That's healthy. That's health. Yeah, you're a bit of a weird like empath kind of thing for people that I know. don't deserve it at all. I know. Um, I've trivia, been told that before. Trivia wise, you know the the kid that is that's being babysat where Michael's in the in the wardrobe. Really, really funny kid. Yeah. Really funny kid. Um, his rotating lamp, so his like light feature. Mm. Apparently, that has a clown with a knife which is homage to Michael when he was dressed as a clown, killed his sister oh, in the first film. That. 
which is pretty, I don't know, see, that's pretty cool. We've talked about the pumpkin. Um, Michael and Laurie aren't siblings in this, which in one of the films they were. So the body count in this, I've not, it said 19, but one of them yeah, was, one was the flashback to him killing his sister. Oh, because I that's, thought 19 as well, yeah. Yeah, but this I'd sort of disregard that because that's... No, that should happened. be Kang. Yeah. So the body count is 18. We've got the bus driver <laughs> and the guard, the boy and his father, the gas station cashier, the mechanic, the two journalists, the old woman in the kitchen that he kills with, um, oh, yeah. with the, the hammer, um, and then the young woman that he stabs in the throat. He smashes her head yeah. against the window and then stabs yeah. her in the throat. Um, Vicky, Dave, Scar, which I guess are all the friends, the babysitter friends. Mm. Um, Hawkins, the cop, Dr. Sartain, um, the two coppers who arrive on the scene, and mm. finally Ray, the husband. So more of a spree killer than a serial killer, if we're being honest, if we're being technical. He's more of a spree killer. It's very true, very in true. The, in this film, obviously he's killed before, so I guess mm. kind of his sister and then the babysitters and then... I guess that makes him a serial killer. But in this, it's very much of a spree killing. I mean, fucking hell, 18 people in mm. a couple of nights at 60-odd-year-old. Got a lot of stamina, hasn't he? Fair play to the lad. He must be hitting the weights <laughs> in that asylum. Good God. <laughs> and I've gone to the ratings because I like to finish on a little rating. Mm-hmm. So Rotten Tomatoes... The critics gave it 79%. The -hmm. audience gave it 70. Metacritic, the critics gave it 67 out of 100, and the users gave it a 6.9 out of 10. I gave this 7.5. I would watch it again, despite all my criticisms, just because I love all the little nods to the original, and Mm. the, the score is just class. Like, you know, when you see his face and it goes, that little high pitched thing. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely love that. And it, it, you feel, you almost feel like you're watching a proper HD version of the original in a way. Mm. And I think they just did it perfect. Like it wasn't a full remake. It, it wasn't a full reboot. It was just slightly, it was a sequel, but it wasn't. I, th- I thought mm. it was really, and I really enjoyed it. I, I would watch it again. Seven and a half, quite a high score for me. I'm quite surprised. Yeah. What, that I've gone so high? Yeah, because you yeah. moaned a lot. Well, that's why it's not got a 10. What you film st- would you, g- what what would film I give, would a you give it? Yeah. A 10. I'd probably give The Shining a 10. Okay. I do love The Shining. Mm. Top of my head, uh, there's no other real films that... I think Scarface is a solid nine. But yeah, it's probably one of my favourite films, Shining. Mm. I just think it's so weird. And I watched it from like a young age and I've read the book and stuff. Mm. So it's one of them films where I'm just absolutely obsessed with it. And I've re- I've watched a lot of documentaries on it and stuff you know, on YouTube. Yeah. Behind the scenes and theories and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So would you? obviously you'd give Silence of the Lambs a 10. Oh yeah, definitely. But would you give, what were the other two, Shining and Aliens? Would they be tens as well, or would they not be quite? Would they be nine point nines? Yeah, they'd be there. Yeah, so basically, over nines would be those two. Uh, Dirty Harry, because that's like one of my favorite films. As well. I love that film. Yeah. I love Clint Eastwood. 
I yeah. love Clint Eastwood. He's I'm obsessed a bit with him. Did you see The Mule? I haven't watched that one yet. I've got that one. Uh, I do want to see that one yet. But I, it's, I just, okay. as a director, I love him, and um, I just, I just love him so much. Yeah. And so what, what uh, would you, what would you give Hannibal? Hannibal Halloween. <laughs> say um, Halloween. I'd give it an eight. Would you? Okay. Mm. We can do points though. If you want to do points, something. No, I'd give it an eight. I, I think this is um. Like with this film and the original, like sometimes I watch this one, I'm like, oh my God, I love it more than the original. And then I watch the original again and I'm like, I keep chopping and changing my mind. Mm. But I just think they're, they're really good films. Like, do you know what I mean? And the other ones that I've watched, like I said, I watched, I think I watched up to five. I didn't watch all of the third one because I wasn't in the mood for not watching Michael, but I will mm. go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be all right. Yeah. A lot if, of people have said it's really you good. You can just like, forget that it's not got him in it. It's yeah. not about him. Yeah, exactly. And um, like they're they're good films to watch, but they're not like like I'd have to if you said to me, let's talk about them, I'd have to watch them again. And I only watched mm. them about maybe in the last year, definitely in the last year. Mm. Um, but this one and um the original, I just think they're two really good films. And I'm so glad they got Jamie Lee Curtis in it because apparently I heard that um apparently Jake, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is her godson or something, and he convinced yeah, her. Yeah. Mm. He convinced her to do it. Um, because I don't you couldn't have done that role with anyone else. It just wouldn't have worked. No, I'm a huge Jamie Lee Curtis fan. Anyway, I just think she's amazing. Yeah. I've, I've followed her since like the eighties and, uh, you know, trading places, fish called Wanda, stuff like that. But it's just, I just couldn't see anyone doing it. So I just, I just think this is a really good film and I will watch it again. Cause I remember yeah. when it came on Netflix, I was like, yes. And then it came off Netflix and I had to buy it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like my mate is dead into horror films as well, and he, he mm. really loves ha- um, Halloween. And he saw this at the cinema. I think he went twice when it first came out. And mm. he was like, "Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet?" I was like, "No, not yet." I downloaded it, and it came on Netflix. I was like, "Oh, brilliant! I could just watch it on there." Never got around to watching it. Mm. So now I had to do what you did. But um, yeah, I liked it. I think I'd watch it again. I will watch it again, and the original I'll watch again. Yeah, I think. It'd be good to watch the first one and then this. I think if I had to pick out of the two, uh, I think they're quite even, to be honest. Yeah, because I think what I liked about this one that obviously wasn't in the first one is I liked how badass Laurie was. I did like the whole kind of like Sarah uh, Sarah Connor vibe yeah. to her, and um, yeah, I, I just thought that I just thought it was a really good character and you know, kind of you understood why she was the way she was like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think the original Halloween being that it was less violent than this modern one? Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's more about you see him down the street and then he disappears behind a bush and he's not there and he drives past in a car. There's no one in the car. Just mind games. That's what I thought was unique mm. about Michael Myers is it's more psychological than mm. actual being scared of someone stabbing someone or whatever do you think the original film if that was released now do you think it would be as well received or do you think because it was released so long ago and it was like a influential master obviously texas chainsaw was a few years before that that was just even that wasn't that graphic people think texas chainsaw is no brutal. it's not if you watch the all in your head ver- yeah the 74 version isn't like the other like the later ones no i think 
I think like anything that it wouldn't do well now. It wouldn't. Because I think the problem is with a lot of films now is everybody wants it bigger and faster and yeah. more explosions Instant and more deaths. And yeah, it's just like, whereas when you watch films like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, which is a very good film. It's I like mean, an hour and a half of screaming, just screaming. But that the whole dinner scene <laughs> when he's hitting her on the head. Oh my God. It's, it's just brutal. Grandpa, like, hit him on the head with the hammer. Oh, I yeah. dropped the hammer. That was a good impression. And, <laughs> you know, that and you know, uh, Halloween, like you said, and when you watch films like Jaws and just good films. And I, I sometimes, like I, I've met people who are a lot younger than me in their 20s and they're like, I wouldn't watch a film if it was older than 2000. And I'm like, you're missing out on such good yeah. films. Dirty Harry, that, you know, yeah. 70, 71, I think. And, you know, one of my favorite films is from 1950, all about Eve. Like, you mm. know, it's just, there's such good films out there. And it does make you earn it, but I like that. That's why when you see stuff like Hostel, it's just too, you know, it's like, what is it? You call it torture porn. Yeah, torture is that what you call porn. it? Yeah, torture yeah. porn. And I'm just like, you're just giving it all to me. This film could be half an hour. Torture porn films could be half an hour long because it's just like, here's all the, 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 the slap yeah. stabbing and sex stuff and everything. Whereas with Halloween and all these things, they just, they make you work for it. And I yeah. like to think when I'm watching films yeah. and wonder, and I love it when you think something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. Cause I think in the first Halloween, he kills like what, five people, mm. you know, it's very, there's very little number, but like you don't, you said, you don't see it. You don't really see it. Like you exactly, see him raise but, the knife and you see the body like yeah. fixed to the wall, but you don't see any gore or anything. But exactly. And I, I like the, the wonder mm. like you're sitting, like you watch some films, like I recently watched host and I spent the whole thing like tense because I kept on looking in the background and all this kind of stuff and wondering mm -hmm. and wondering. That's a great film. Great it is film. a great film, but it didn't do much, but it didn't need to. Yeah, it doesn't need but to. But I was shit scared the whole way through that film mm -hmm. once they, you know, stuff started happening. That's literally probably the, be the best horror film I've seen in a long time. It is a great, like, um, us the most, was the most, like... The most scared. See, ah, we could have a whole whole yeah. episode on us because i personally had a lot of critiques with that but i've discussed that with my mate which will be another episode that comes mm. out at some point that's got a lot of plot holes in it as well but i get what you're does. saying it does yeah every film no does. but us was like us us gave me faith in horror films again did it okay. yeah i just thought it was an amazing film um but yeah so i think um i like the kind of less less is more yeah. approach to films you know yeah i agree but yeah i think that pretty much rounds it up we've been waffling along for an hour and a half nearly now <laughs> i've been waffling on you've been patiently <laughs> listening but yeah i appreciate you coming on to discuss a film that i hadn't seen until a few days ago so okay. that was your, your recommendation did i pick it you did yeah oh okay well, I picked Hellraiser for yours, so it was only fair that you picked one for mine. No. You picked a better film I by did. far, <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah, let's um, finish with you plugging all your stuff, tell people where they can find you, social media, etc. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on, you know, Apple, Spotify, probably everywhere that you listen to podcasts, um, as Once Upon a Nightmare, and I'm on Twitter as a Nightmare Pod and Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare podcast and Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare. Twitter. Twitter. 
I know. People always... Twitter. I'm on Twitter, you know, at Twitter. Once Upon a Nightmare. I didn't say it like that. What do you say? Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> you said it the same as me. Twitter. No, you say Twitter. You said Twitter. You'll hear it. Twitter. I don't Twitter. Twitter. I'm on Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. I'm on yeah. Twitter. Lorraine's on Twitter. <laughs> Once Upon a Nightmare. Check it out. What You got any good films coming up on your show? My next one. So I don't know when you're putting this out, but my next one on Monday, no, on Tuesday, the 27th is Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's Rabbit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is... <laughs> It, to prefer, it's probably a pointless question because this, when this comes out, you'll probably have already aired a fair few episodes. So mm. I don't know when yeah. this, this is probably going to come out middle of May. Well, they can still go back yeah. and listen to Rabbit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I, the first one I listened to for yours was The Shining, obviously for obvious reasons, as people know by now, which is really good. You also did Ghost Ship, which was pretty cool. Yeah, actually, my favorite episode of mine, I think, that I did was Bad Taste, you know, the Jack, Peter Jackson film, just yeah. because I rewatched Bad Taste and I was literally like gagging. I thought I was going to throw up watching it. And it was just <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> but yeah, make sure you check out Once Upon a Nightmare. And I don't know when this is going to come out. There's either going to be another episode after this or next week, season three is going to start. So it's potluck, dear listener. But I hope mm. you've enjoyed this. It's a different format to usual, but it's a bit of a change. I like to change things up. I like to chat shit to people and not talk in my, in my podcast voice. Yeah, I do. All right. Chill out. Stuart Blues. Come on my <laughs> show and insult me. Yeah. <laughs> and on your show. Brilliant. <laughs> what I do. All right. We'll leave it there. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.